Hey everyone, quick announcement. Each week I try to bring you an episode to the show that offers something for everyone. It might be a training tip, insight into a world or, or national champion's life and how they got to where they are, or it might just be talking sports, the shooting sports in particular, uh, for entertainment purposes. At the bottom of each of my episodes, you will find a Koji link to my website where you can find sponsors, links to guests, things of that nature. Currently, there are three sponsors, Laser App, Gun Butter Lubrication, and now Aim Size Products. I will be putting out um, a specific episode about Aim Size and their products. But by using the links provided, you indirectly support the podcast without any additional cost to you. As a matter of fact, you typically save money by following those links. They'll give you a discount and then they'll send a little bit my way just to kind of help with the podcast. The discount link for Hoist is included. However, I don't, I don't get anything from Hoist, but I believe in their product and I feel it's a hydration product for you, which I highly recommend, especially shooting matches in the summertime where it's hot and humid. Now, if you don't use any of the products listed, there is still a way to support the podcast by using the tip button on the Koji link. It surely isn't required. None of this is required, but it is greatly appreciated. I'm trying to make the podcast as professional as possible, which does take time, a lot of time, and money. You can use the link to email me as well, whether you have suggestions for guests or whatever, comments, feedback. Regardless of whether you use a sponsor link or not, I still hope you enjoy the show. Please like it, share it, and give it a five-star rating if you're so inclined. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's guest comes by way of PRS and NRL. He's a former Marine sniper and just retired from the Marines last year. And you thought practical shooting could get expensive. Join me in welcoming Ben Alicia to the show. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great. Actually, I wanted to rewind that because I've actually been retired 10 years now. Correction. 10 yeah. years. I stand corrected. There we go. If you would then, uh, Ben, go ahead and take a moment and introduce yourself. Uh, name's uh, Ben Alisea. Uh, born and raised in New Jersey. I try not to claim that too often. I joined <laughs> the Marine Corps when I was 18. Left Jersey, never looked back. Uh, went straight to a sniper platoon, got lucky, and all my fellow platoon mates kind of got me into the whole fishing and hunting world, and that kind of developed my drive for wanting to, you know, compete later on in life, whether it's, you know, we go out fishing and we we're always competing who was going to catch the biggest fish or the most fish, uh, and then competition paintball did the same thing to me, and I kind of lost that at about... 2010 where I just stopped competing and that that drive never went away but it came back hard with uh, PRS okay well there's a lot to unpack there once we get there then. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so Ben I usually ask some pretty loaded questions right up front kind of use them as icebreaker questions and get to know the guest um, so I'm gonna do the same thing to you so the the harder questions are gonna be right up front Right. What's your favorite movie? Oh, God. Um, See, I told you I wasn't lying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, favorite movie? I don't know if I have a favorite. I have lots of favorites, uh, but my current ones are the John Wick series. Okay. I get yeah. that. Now, so I take it then you've seen the fourth one. I saw. I watched it on an airplane the other day for uh, while traveling for work. Okay, what were your thoughts on four? Uh, they went a little overboard on that one. <laughs> I actually I quite agree. a lot overboard. Uh, but I agree. It's a movie. Uh, it's there to entertain us, and and I understand that. I read where he initially had a lot more dialogue, and they basically cut out <laughs> almost all of the yeah. dialogue yeah. just for action. But some of it was just a little a little too much. Yeah, them bulletproof suits are uh, pretty legit, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to know where I could get one, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know how don't they protect you. No, me either. And I don't know how they protect you from rolling down 800 stairs 47 times in a movie. 
But I was a little disappointed, but I, I still, overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, it's John Wick. You can't not enjoy it. So are you going to go see Sisu or see that when it comes out? Um, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> I have okay. no TV. I, I have no idea what new movies are coming out. I kind of hear it from mm. people posting on Facebook or something or, you know, somebody from work going, oh, I went and saw this. Then I'm like, oh, let me look that up real quick. And then I decide if I want to go or not. Well, I went I went to see uh, John Wick 4 in the theater the weekend it, it came out. And one of the previews was for this movie called Sisu, S-I-S-U. And I was like, what in the world? And it seems to be a... Um, a branch off of John Wick, just a different guy, but like back in World War II. Um, it actually looks pretty interesting. So if you haven't seen it, um, if you do get on YouTube at any time, just look up SISU and, and watch the trailer. It looks pretty cool. Okay. All right. Now, you spent more time than I did in the Marine Corps, and I know what it was like on deployment. That's where I read most of my books and we would, we would share books. Mm -hmm. So, um, you're nodding your head. So you know what I'm talking about? What's your favorite book? Oh, <laughs> see, we get the hard ones out up front. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's rough. Cause maybe, maybe a little list of questions would, uh, uh help me along here. Um, as far as books, because I tend to forget, titles and especially authors because I'm terrible with names. Me I too. just, I forget them all. Uh, and right now for work, I'm reading a bunch of um, business stuff and leadership stuff. And, you know, you, you start reading the leadership books and you're like, okay, now, man, I'm, I'm coming from the Marine Corps. You, there are some things I can pull out of this, but pretty much when you read that entire book, it's Marine Corps 101. You're like, okay, yeah, no, done that, been there. Right. Um, I'll say that what got me into sniping was um, Carl's Hathcock's book. I joined the military book club as a kid because uh, I used to get all the gun magazines. Very rare. New Jersey kid reading uh, Guns and Ammo and, and Peterson's Handguns and all those magazines. And I had subscriptions to all of them. Pictures hanging up all over my walls because back then I was big time into pistols. And oh, I read okay. his book when I joined the military book club and I had the original hardcover book. Uh, not knowing that today that is a sought after item, very collectible, but mine actually burnt in a house fire uh, when I was down at Camp Lejeune. Uh, so I uh, never got it back, but I, that's the book that gave me the drive to want to be a sniper right? and especially Marine infantryman because all my family is Navy. And that's what I originally intended to do is join the Navy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. That well, we'll be coming back to that as soon as yeah. this first set of initial questions, because that's where we'll be starting this conversation. Um, okay, I don't know. I, I'm not a big person into um, like the superhero stuff. Um, I'm more of a historical figure type person, but I don't know what you are. So, give me your favorite of one or the other. Um. Because I do like movies and superheroes, I'm a huge Avenger fan. Okay. All right. Any one particular or is... Yeah. No, not in particular. I mean, I'm not going to lie and not say that uh, Black Widow is quite interesting, but I like the, the group as a whole. Okay. I won't ask you what you find interesting about Black Widow. That's a uh, different I podcast altogether. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's definitely a different podcast episode. <laughs> that's the After Dark episode there. <laughs> All right, Ben. So the next question is your favorite gun and caliber. However, just because let's say your favorite gun is a, a 1911, your favorite caliber does not have to be 45. It could be 22 Creedmoor, which we're going to talk about later. Okay. Um, when I started, I was big time into the uh, the Bighorn actions. I've recently switched to the Impacts uh, by recommendation of my gunsmith and a bunch of my friends here locally that shoot them. 
I was like, ah, let me give it a whirl. So I bought one just to see if I liked it. I now have three of them. Um, as far as caliber, when it comes to PRS, I'm a huge Dasher fan. Uh, as far as hunting, although I've done all my hunting with Dasher, uh, probably for the last, uh, let's see, 2018, so the last five years, I would definitely like to get something harder hitting for hunting. But I haven't decided on that yet. So for bigger game, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I was thinking 7mm SOM or something similar is what I'm looking at. I just haven't committed to anything yet. Okay, now when you say Dasher, we're talking 6 Dasher? 6 Dasher, yes sir. Okay, I, I'm just, so for those people listening, they know what, <laughs> they yep. can follow oh, yeah. a little more. 6 Dasher, that little guy, all day long. What what kind of velocity are you getting out of yours? Um, I shoot it at 2880. Uh, with a 105 burger hybrid. Okay. I noticed um, one of your uh, social media posts, your 20, I think it was your 20, I, I could be wrong here. Um, we're kind of jumping ahead a little bit, but not too bad. Um, you had a standard deviation of like 4.6. Um, yeah, that's pretty typical a, for. And a velocity of right around 2,800, but I don't remember what caliber that was. Um, that dasher load, yeah. Yeah, it was probably a uh, break-in load on a new barrel. Oh, really? Because that's really low for me, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, Normally, I used to shoot it at, in my TL3s, I used to shoot it at 2,950. But the wow. impacts just, they don't like it. They like the... Just under 2,900, up to about 2,920, it does well. But um, I start getting some weird, you know, cratered primers, stuff like that, that I never suffered with in the TL3. Okay. But that's a that's a pretty impressive uh, standard deviation of 4.6. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, the, the last question I usually do is tailored more for the individual guest. So in your case, having spent as much time as you did in the Marines, what was your favorite experience? It can be a deployment. It can be a duty station. It can be a school. It could be anything. Well, it's funny because my first deployment was to Somalia. And I always uh, jokingly said that Somalia was the best Libo port we had on that deployment. Uh, exactly. Because uh, we did Somalia on the front half of the deployment, and then we got to go to malta and naples and love malta i i recommend to everybody i ever meet that asks what's my favorite place it's malta you should go and try it out but um naples not a fun place and we got stuck there because the ship broke uh, but i would say i think the battle of fallujah was i mean i i hate to say it i kind of enjoy getting shot at and i think that came from paintball world and especially people that don't shoot very well and I can look up and see the tracer rounds, you know, 10, 20 feet above me. I'm never going to complain about that. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy that the, the lack of accuracy that they had. Uh, and I'm still here because of it. But I would say definitely um, the Battle of Fallujah. Because I knew at that point that was the, the peak of my career in the Marine Corps. It, it wasn't going to get any better than that. Was that 2004? That was, um, yeah, 2004. Yep. November. We're... Do you, do you know Bill Skiles? Uh, Sergeant Major Skiles? Yep. Yeah, I met him at Quantico uh, when I was the operations chief. Because I know he was a first sergeant at Fallujah, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he, I was in 1-8, and he definitely was not in 1-8. I think he was a West okay. Coast guy at that point. I believe he was, too, yeah. yeah. He and I were actually at the schoolhouse at Quantico together. Gotcha, yep. We were actually students and instructors at nice. Quantico together. <laughs> and we were on the Marine Corps rifle team in seven or 90 together. 70. What the hell? Yeah. Whoa, I was like, you don't whoa, look that old. Whoa. But okay. Well, I, yeah, I would have been four. Yeah. yeah I was say, well. Yeah. Yeah. 70? Not quite that no, old. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I wasn't <laughs> even born yet. <laughs> All right. So. You said you're from New Jersey. Right now, they're one of the most anti-2A states in the nation. 
obviously you were you were I don't know how bad it was when you grew up. It obviously probably wasn't at the state that it is now. So did you did you shoot any firearms growing up? I actually went shooting for the first time with a boyfriend of my mom's. I believe it was freshman year. He was a cop and he took mm. me shooting. And the first gun I shot was a his service revolver, which was a three fifty seven Magnum. Uh, but I started with thirty eight special loads. So started shooting okay. thirty eight special, and then he threw in those hot loads in there just to <laughs> show me what it feels like. And at the end of it, he actually wanted to hire me to be his partner because I shot better than his partner, who was shooting a, a Beretta <laughs> at the time. Yeah, he's like, man, you should uh, better than my partner does. <laughs> well, it's a Beretta. Yeah, and then the first time I shot a rifle was when I was in junior ROTC, Marine Corps Junior ROTC at high school. Uh, we did a trip down to Quantico, and I got to shoot the M16A2 on the uh, KD course. Now, what year would that have been? That would have been 91. I was at Quantico in yep. 91. I was yep. at the schoolhouse in 91. Pretty sure it was 91. Might have been 92. I could be wrong. I was still I think there. It, I'm pretty sure it was 91. Yeah, yeah. It was over by where um, the Marine Corps Band uh, building was over across from HMX-1 and those barracks right there. Oh, okay. You were on main where side we, where you did this. Yeah, main side. We stayed there, but then we were going to the west side and doing our training. I actually got gas as a, a teenager in high school in the uh, CS wow. chamber. I got to do the OCSO course. So. And people, people join the core. Now, okay, so let me ask you this then, because you've experienced as a junior ROTC as a kid mm -hmm. and as an adult where they don't play games in that damn gas chamber. Um, did they go easier on you as a teenager or did they give you the full blown experience? No, we got the full blown experience. Oh, uh, goodness. Yeah, mo most definitely. And because we had a lot of females, um, you know, in boot camp, we didn't see the females. <laughs> We saw them occasionally, you know, as you were passing right. each other. But right. in MCJROTC, we were all together. We were all in the gas chamber together, females, males. So I got to experience the female reaction to the CS chamber <laughs> as well as the uh, male reaction to it. Uh, so I have not. So for the world, the rest of the world who has, doesn't know, the, how was the reaction different? Um, I would say I've never seen so much snot in my life. Even a, a sick kid couldn't keep up. These, I mean, you know, normal, I, was, I was a small kid. I was five foot four in high school at, at my peak. Uh, I actually grew four more inches in my first year in the Marine Corps. Um, wow. Yeah, so I came in at five, four, 119, 120 pounds is what I came in at. And when we came out of that gas chamber, I saw literally snot from nose all the way touching the ground as the person was running. And I didn't think that was humanly possible. You know, I have said this story. I don't know if I've, I may have said it here. I don't know that I have. We had a guy in my platoon. So I went in in 85 and we had a guy that was like five, two, maybe from Venezuela. And I can remember him coming out of the gas chamber. And he is exactly as you described it. He had snot from his nose to the grass. I was like, oh my. God, what I had up? never seen anything like that before in my life. They do not mess around in that CS no. chamber. That is legit. All right. So you said too now that you initially were going to go, you wanted to join the Navy. So at what point did you switch and decide, nope, I am joining the Marines? Um, I went into the recruiter and was talking to them. They saw my ASVAB test. So they they actually came looking for me. Uh, so I Same thing happened to me. And they're like, hey, you got a ridiculous score on the ASVAB. Um, what do you want to do? They go, everything's open for you. And at the time, you know, I want to be a F-14 pilot. Because at the time, as a kid, I wanted to be a pilot. And I'm like, hey, I want to fly airplanes. He's like, well, you got to go to college for that. I said, okay, I understand. I can deal with that. But then he starts looking up his stuff and he he's like, um, he goes, actually, you don't meet the height requirements to fly uh, Tomcats. And I'm like, 
oh, that doesn't work because both my parents are five foot four. I knew at that point I wasn't growing anymore. That was your ceiling. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm screwed. So if I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do, I'm going to do the second thing that I would like to do. And that was Marine Corps. So I walked out, crossed the hallway, walked into the Marine Corps recruiter. I sit down because now I'm a walk-in, you know, and and that's what they tend to have is walk-ins because people want to join the Marine Corps. And I go in. He's like, well, let's start off with, you know, who are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, Ben Gillespie. And I go to Elizabeth High. And he's like, he's like, where do I know you from? I'm like, probably because I've seen you walking around the high school. He's like, no, that ain't it. So then he opens up his desk and he pulls out our yearbook. And I'm circled in his yearbook. He's like, oh, yeah. He goes, I've been meaning to talk to you. And I'm like, oh, you know, what did I do? He goes, and he pulls out another form. He goes, we got your ASVAB score. I was like, oh, there it is. And I go, yep. And he goes, you can do whatever you want. I said, yep. He goes, well, what do you want to do? Infantry. He's like, no, 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 you don't understand. He goes, you can do whatever you want to do. He goes, I can give you a $10,000 bonus right now if you go aviation. You know, I'm like, no. So I'm in JROTC. Did Quantico? I said I want to go infantry. As in, I don't even want to go infantry. I want to be a sniper. And that's when he told me and corrected me. He's like, "Yeah." He goes, "I can't give you that." He goes, "Sniper is a secondary MOS. It's not a primary. In order to become a sniper, you have to go infantry, and then hope you get selected for it." I said, "Okay, sign me up." He's like, "No, no, no. You don't understand." He's like, "You have a 99 percentile on your ASVAB." He goes, "Any job is open for you." I want infantry. So he spent the next year trying to convince me to change my contract and, and I refused. And while going through MCT, I sat there and go, why didn't he tell me out of this? Why am I doing this right now? <laughs> and then I sat there reflecting one day on my cot out at a camp devil dog during MCT. This is back when infantrymen had to go to MCT also. And I'm like, Holy crap. He used to call me all the time. And offer me another MOS with a bonus. And I refused it every time. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. So I, I forgave him for it. You got exactly what you deserved. Yeah, I got it. Exactly <laughs> As we all did. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I did the same thing. And uh, the Navy recruiter actually came to my school. I got pulled out of class one day. I'm like, uh-oh. They're like, you have to go to the office. I'm like, uh-oh. I'm in trouble. This guy had four names on it, and he's like, uh, I, I want you to join the Navy and go into their nuclear program. Nuclear program. Yeah. I, I was like, I can't, I can't wear that uniform. I can't do that. I can't look like that in uniform. So that was the whole re- They were offering in yeah. 19, this was 84. Um, they were offering a $20,000 sign-on bonus in 1984. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah, I was like, wow. I mean, all these things are running through my head. What can I do with $20,000? But I I couldn't do it. So what did I do? I go to the Marine recruiter. I join infantry so I could take the recon NDOC. That's the whole reason I joined the infantry. And same thing. I'm like, ooh, man, I got to ITS. And I'm like, man, like these guys walk way faster than me. I got to figure this out. Yep. But and big long legs, my out. little five foot four self. I didn't think it was and gonna they, work out. They always put the tallest instructors in front just to try to wear you out. So it was a game. But all right, so were you in delayed entry then? I was in depth, yep. For almost okay. a year. Yeah. Me too. I did eleven months delayed entry, which was mm-hmm. maximum. So okay, so you did like me, like almost right after you graduated, boom, you were gone. Uh, I graduated in June and I shipped in October. Oh, okay. I graduated. I got got to spend the summer. Okay. I graduated like June 10th and June 25th. I was gone. Mm -mm. Yeah. That's the one part I'm glad I listened to the recruiter. He's like, he's like, spend the summer at home, you know, put some money in your pocket at your job, you know, and, and then ship out when it's a little bit cooler. And I'm like, all right, whatever, you know, I'm going either way. So, yeah. And I'm glad he did, because even in October, Paris Island was freaking hot. Uh, but then it got super cold in December when I was doing BWT, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I remember getting here sweating like, you know, 
I don't know what. And and then yeah. now I'm freezing and it's raining and I'm and I'm humping around, you know, Paris Island. Uh, wasn't fun at all. And fun I at the same you. time. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you said that you went straight. So all right, let's you went to Paris Island and then you went to I I assume Lejeune. Uh, yep, I went to Camp Geiger to MCT, graduated, yep. went to supply with all my gear, drew a flak jacket and a helmet. Or was just, I think it was just flak jacket. We didn't wear flak jackets back then. Drew a flak jacket and then humped all my gear over to ITB, Delta Company. Okay. Now you said, okay, so from there, once you graduated, so you're probably looking at Man, you were you were probably a, an early spring graduate then of April twenty eighth. I graduated ITB. Okay. Now from there, where did you go and and how did you get there? I actually had orders to at the time LAR. Oh, okay. And, so yeah, light so, amphibious reconnaissance. Uh, went up, showed up, and they're like, "Hey, a bunch of people took the recon in doc." that were supposed to go to three, six. And they go, so we're changing your orders from LAR to three, six. So now I'm like, Oh crap. You know, cause I, I'd already talked to people from LAR. They're like, Oh, it's fun. You know, you get in the vehicle, you drive everywhere. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> right. okay. No humping. I can deal with this. And, um, so my orders got switched and the very next day I, I checked in the three, six, but I had talked to some people out in town, I can't remember where. I think it was at a hotel over the weekend. And the guy told me, he's like, hey, this is what's going to happen when you, you check into your unit. They're going to put you all in a, a classroom. and Because yeah, it was a huge cohesion dump. It was just like our entire class almost went to 3-6. Uh, and we get there. Wow. He goes, they're going to ask people, you know, who wants to be in Hilo Company? You get to fly around, this and that. He goes, listen to everything and just sit there. Don't raise your hand for anything. And I'm like, oh, crap. So he goes, at one point, somebody's going to come out. They're going to go, hey, who's got a first-class PFT? Who's a first-class swimmer? Um, who's high expert at the rifle range? He goes, that's the guy you're waiting for. And he goes, that's going to be for snipers. So I listen to the spiels. You know, who wants to be in Amtrak company and this and that? I'm like, nope, I ain't saying nothing. And then some lieutenant came out. Uh, it was the S2 guy. I didn't know it at the time. But he's like, hey, who's the first-class PFTers? And and High expert rifle range. And I'm like, oh, there it is. And five of us stood up. And then they just started going down, you know, SRBs. And they're like, nope, you're done. You're done. And it was me and one other guy left. Um, and I kept Briggs. His name was Briggs because I went to boot camp with him. And they take us both into the uh, S2's office. And they start interviewing us together. And he goes, well, you're both qualified. He goes, problem is we only have one spot opening right now. And Briggs looks at the lieutenant and he looks at me and he goes, I've known, you know, Alice S and boot camp. All he's ever talked about was being a sniper. He goes, I'm going to let him take it. Wow. So, yeah. So, I mean, we did boot camp. We did MCT. We did ITB all together. Same company, same platoon, same company, everything. And he's like, no, man, th this is what he wants. He goes, I'm cool with going to a line company. And that's how I got in. Oh, that's Super a stand-up dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Did he ever make it to a state platoon or no? No, he he never wanted to go. He just oh, okay. he met the qualifications, so he just kept raising his hand. Yeah, that's me. That's me. That's me. And yeah, he never he never came. Never wanted to. He he okay. enjoyed the uh, line company life. Okay, well, it worked out then. Yeah. So now, when you. And well, let me back up for the listeners. Um, the S2 is intelligence and mm -hmm. the state platoon surveillance target acquisition platoon, which is the sniper platoon actually fell under the S2 officer. So that's why he brings that up and that now you understand what, what he's talking about. So you go to stay and how, what is their um, deployment rate like there? And were you able to get, how long did it take you to get to go to school? Um, well, w when we got to the unit, we were actually doing a workup to go to Somalia or to go on a med. We didn't know it was going to be Somalia yet. Um, and now, so April, we pumped in January. 
so pretty much it was just the, the, we were actually doing a CG's inspection at the same time and doing our workup. So it was a giant abortion. I mean, it was going out there and doing drill, <laughs> PT every day in case you were the one selected to do PFT. Uh, it it was terrible. Got cleaning weapons like you would not believe. And then they came out oh. with what company was doing which uh, part of the commander general's inspection. And we got shafted with uh, drill and Charlie inspection for a weapons company. Oof. And so, yeah, it, it was fun. Uh, so, and then of course, cause you're doing the, uh, Charlie inspection, you had your weapon. So you were constantly cleaning your weapon, uh, for the general to come out there and do a cursory inspection, just ask you where you're from and then walk on to the next guy. He'd be like, Oh man. So yeah, that, that's, that was my life for eight months. That is the worst thing ever. I yep. hated those inspections. Good ah, Lord. So terrible. Yeah. Imagine if you're just listening to the podcast, imagining taking off the drywall of your house every week, putting it back up and painting it another color because the other color may have been not what somebody liked is basically the same thing forever until it's over. It's ridiculous. And folding and stenciling your underwear and uh, <laughs> yep. putting, it, putting it into a tote in your locker. So whenever they want that inspection, you pull it out and put brand new stuff out there. But then they turn around and go, well, it can't be brand new. It has to show some use. You're like, so now you show some use. They're like, oh, that's too old looking. You're like, okay, what do you want here? So we we spent a lot of money. I mean, we were buying brand new uniforms. And, of course, uh, the the PFT came up. And I get up there, and we're doing height weight. And the guy's like, you know, 68 inches. And I'm looking at him like, what are you smoking, dude? I said, this thing's wrong because I'm five foot four. <laughs> but leading up to that point, guys in the platoon kept hinting. They're like, dude, you're getting taller. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And then, of course, my camis were getting shorter. <laughs> but it, you know what I'm thinking? You remember the, the communal uh, washer machines in the middle yep. of the barracks? You know, they're super hot. I mean, I'm like, oh, it's just a dryer. is shrinking everything, right? And and, and I was issued um, – I was issued small, short camis, so, you know, I was barely able to, to get them bloused. And right. they're like, all right. So they put me right back on the thing. The guy, checked, he goes, no, man, you're 68 inches. And then that's when it clicked. I was like, well, that's why my jeans and that's why my camis <laughs> were getting shorter. It, I was actually getting taller. That's why my jeans look like capris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, it's like, well, luckily, we were always in the field. We never had any liberty anyway, so it's like. Ah, well, you know, short, it's summer in Campbell June. You're always in shorts anyway. Yeah. It's like nine months out of the year you're in shorts. Oh, man. That's funny. So I take it then you went on the Med. So, again, for the listeners, MedFloat is a Mediterranean six-month deployment. You get on a ship and you float around in the Mediterranean, hit a bunch of uh, ports, and they all, they're all terrible. Um so I take it you didn't get to school then before you went on. For Negative. Um, so actually, while we were doing our SOC qualification down in the uh, Caribbean, Black Hawk Down happened. Ooh, so our, our okay. platoon sergeant comes down and he's like, hey, we got to talk. This is between us. Don't tell the rest of the company. Uh, Army just got hammered in Somalia. Two Blackhawks got shot down by RPGs. We're like, what the, what the hell is going on here, you know? And that's when he kind of hinted, hey, we're actually going to Somalia now. So we're mm. like, oh. So now that turned the what we thought was going to be a, a, a Liberty cruise into a actual possibly combat cruise. And so October, that was late October, went home on terminal leave, or terminal leave, on block leave for <laughs> pre-deployment. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not terminal. Uh, definitely not. Leave, and that's when I was now looking down at my mother because I did, in fact, grow four inches. And she's <laughs> looking up at me like, what the hell happened? Um, I didn't tell her uh, that we were going to Somalia. I knew it would, it would mm. kill her. So I kind of just kept my mouth shut uh, for that. And then we launched, and she found out later when we were able to call home. Back in the days when you bought a $35 uh, phone card on ship. And that yep. gave you a five-minute five minute phone call. 
And I told her then, so, you know, 30 seconds of greetings and I love you. And then told her I was going to Somalia and it was four and a half minutes of her crying that I'll, you know, might die in Somalia. Cause of course they had been watching the news and seeing all the things that had happened there. So yeah, I've been getting kids off on deployment since that first one. Come back every time. There you go. Meant to be. Yep. So did you guys actually do anything in Somalia then when you got there? Yeah, we did. We went there. Tenth uh, Mountain was very, very happy to see us. And literally, uh, as bet. they were leaving, were were throwing ammo and grenades at us and going, "You keep it. I don't want it." Hell, you're giving me extra ammo. Sure, I'll take it. Uh, which I got punished for later at the end. But at the time, hey, I, I, I can carry all the ammo uh, possible out here in case this ever goes down. Um, we did have some of the snipers got to take shots. I think if I remember correctly, it was about 13 KIA, um, enemy KIA, uh, while we were there. So they did some uh, good stuff with some of the, you know, meatheads that were running around Mogadishu airport area. Okay. I spoke with a guy um, who was in tent, who was over there um, in 90. I, I spoke with him in 94. Mm -hmm. And, uh, Man, he was telling me what an S show that was because oh, yeah. he said they heard everything going down on the radio. They jumped in some vehicles and they literally closed the gates on them and they, would uh, not let them leave the compound. Wouldn't let them like, leave. Man, I, I, I swear, if you look back on everything that goes wrong, whether it be the 83 barracks bombing in Beirut or Mogadishu or anywhere else, there's always higher echelon behind the problem every yep, yep. single time. I mean, look at our Afghanistan departure, you know, again, everything gets screwed up by the higher echelon. Just if they would let the people, my dad is in that book right there. Cause he was a sniper in Vietnam. And we had a conversation about that. And he goes, it was ridiculous. He said, you could see the enemy walking with weaponry and you weren't allowed to engage them. Unless they were engaging you, you could not engage them. He said, we could have won that war in six months. He said, it would have been no problem. But again, uh, it, it goes back to, I guess, you know, you got to go all the way back to Eisenhower, that whole military industrial complex and whoever they're controlling. I mean, it, that, that's another whole other episode. But you go back, it's always the higher echelon that's screwing the pooch. Yeah, even in our short time in Tamale, we were there roughly two months, you know, a month and a half. Um, when we first got there, it was pretty open. Hey, you're taking fire. They got a weapon, whatever. You return right. fire. You, you engage. And then a few weeks into that, it was, okay, uh, now they have to be firing in your direction. You know, okay, got it. And then by the time we left, pretty much, unless your buddy got shot, hit, you couldn't do nothing. You just sit there and look at them. So e e even us walking out, they did it to us too. Wow. Yeah. I was talking to somebody recently in the military and uh, he said he's not sure that he can make it to retirement with the way things are going nowadays. It's so much worse. So, oof. Yeah, I think I retired. Don't. I retired just as they uh, lifted the don't ask, don't tell. I retired okay. shortly after that. And I had already seen what was happening in the Marine Corps at that point. I was like, man, I, I think I got out at the right time. And all my buddies that had, you know, were still in and still needed time for their 20, um, they, they were like, dude, you got out at the perfect time. Like, I got out. I still loved the Marine Corps, enjoyed everything I was doing. Mm. A lot of them got out bitter, angry. And so it was perfect timing for me. Okay. So how much time total did you spend in the Marines? Just under 21 years. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's a good bit. You got your retirement. That's awesome. So your initial MO West then was 0311? 0311, yep. Okay. So everybody else. 0311 with a Yankee white, uh, I don't know what you call it. it, it I like was designated Yankee, Yankee, Yankee white program to be presidential guard. Um, so I was doing all the interviews in boot camp and, uh, and during MCT. And I actually ran into a dude that, uh, 
did it. And he's like, he's like, he goes, you got selected for Yankee White? I'm like, yeah. I said, you know, no drugs. I don't drink, you know, never had a speeding ticket, you know, nothing like that. I'm a saint, you know, I'm, I'm a good kid. He's like, he's like, well, here's the problem. He goes, you're not six foot tall. Goes, right. So you're not going to go to any of the good duties. He goes, you're going to be like grounds maintenance, you know, oh. up at Camp David or something like that. Um, and I'm like, oh, he goes, you're not going to enjoy your, your two years there. He goes, if I were you, try to get out of it. So, you know, I found that out. And there was a mass and I was constantly, he was interviewing me down in Paris Island. He was interviewing me in uh, MCT. Uh, and I'm like, hey, I don't want to do it. He lost his everything. At that point, he's like, what, what are you hiding from us? You know, what, what do you think we're going to find? I'm like, nothing. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I said, I want to be an instrument. I want to be a sniper. That's what I want to do. I don't, I don't want to go to Camp David and, and, and police call for two years. I'm good. Oh. I'm, man, then my first sergeant gave me an ass chewing like you would not believe. Uh, it, at one point, I was supposed to get out of a hike for the, um, uh, the interview. And because that's when I told them, I'm like, hey, I, I'm not going to do this. They let me uh, do that hump with everybody else even though I've been getting grilled for like last four hours, you know, uh, up early and all that. I'm like, Oh man, whatever. So that's when I just learned to just, you know, you, you keep your mouth shut and just do the mission on hand and, uh, and hope nobody notices you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I got screamed at by a Sergeant major when I left second recon to go to, um, the instructor house there because it was right before, uh, we were supposed to deploy, for Desert Shield at the time. It hadn't mm. become Desert Storm. And he thought I was just trying to get out of going to another arena and possibly seeing combat. I was like, no, if I, I want to go with these guys up here. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, this is how I want to go. And, uh, but man, holy cow, I've never had anybody scream at me like that. Not even my parents ever screamed at me like that. It was crazy, but... I should say the backstory was I enlist re-enlisted to get to the schoolhouse and he was hiding my orders. So that, you know, so now I, I mean, I know why he was screaming at me, but he got his butt chewed by a captain on main side at Lejeune because he's, I called them up and I'm like, Hey, I was supposed to have orders by now. And they're like, yeah, we sent him to your unit. I'm like, I'm sorry, I haven't seen him. And he, that guy got pissed. So mm. it, it all, you know, the snowball rolls downhill. So I ended up taking the ass chewing, but it's all good. Worked out in the end. Yep. Now, all right, so you, you go to, on your med float, and I agree with you, Naples, not great. I, I found that 90% of all the, ports that we stopped in were if you if that's all you know about the country it's a it's a in bad impression trouble. yeah yeah, yep. yeah it's terrible even france spain it didn't matter um the only one that was nice was a uh, mallorca palma de mallorca the mm -hmm. island that was nice but anyway um so you come back off of your med float and then what does it look like when you guys get back so we actually get back, we go home on block leave, and I come home one night and my mom's like, hey, Staff Sergeant Stewart called, and he said to call him back no matter what time it is when you get home. And I'm like, well, that's weird. I'm like, okay. So call Staff Sergeant Stewart, like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, Staff Sergeant Stewart. He's like, Alisea. I go, yeah. He goes, hey, you got to be back on base. Uh, it was like in three or four days. He goes, we got recalled. We're going down to Haiti. So the Mew got recalled during block leave to go down wow. to Haiti because of their little uprising. We're like, oh, my God, really? <laughs> so, yeah, right, pick up my friend in Pennsylvania, and then, and then we head back to Lejeune. We literally make it in. We're running to the room to get dressed to make it to formation because I had gotten lost getting to his place. And this was back in the days before, you know, GPS and iPhone. Yeah. There was no Google I maps. Just, I couldn't find it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm like, God dang it. So finally find them. We're, we're hallucinating on the drive 95 South to get to Lejeune Oof. and no lie. We make it to, like the formations out there. We're 
throwing civvies off, throwing camis on. They were probably, you know, they were dirty from when we left. Jump in a formation. Company Gunny comes out. He goes, you know, can't, you know, hey, uh, mortars, you know, four guys uh, late or UA or whatever. You know, snipers are there, you know, uh, uh, dragon gunner. They were good. And then he's like, all right, well, platoon sergeant, just let me know when everybody makes it in and uh, see you guys tomorrow. I'm like, oh, my God, I almost died coming back here to find out that we were just going to be <laughs> off anyway. So, yep, we jumped back onto uh, ARG shipping and uh, headed down to Haiti. So now we're like, oh, well, now we're going into Haiti, possible double combat on one deployment. And they thought better of it, you know, being that we just came back mm. from Somalia and we're home on block leave, actually, and we're trying to unwind. And at the last minute, we were, like, in the hangar bay, in sticks, ready to go, frags issued, ammo issued, everything. We're ready to go. And they're like, hey, never mind. Uh, 2-2 is going to go in now. They're, they're bringing them down now. And we're like, oh, thank God. But at the same time, we're like, no, shit, we're already here. <laughs> Let me do right. this mission now, you know. Uh, yeah. But no, we, we just went back to Puerto Rico, did another washdown, then headed back up north to North Carolina and went back on leave. Wow. And so, yep. So then we got school seats for sniper school, and we actually got seven seats for the platoon. And that's when I went. So wow. October, October 94, we got seven seats, and seven of us went. All seven of us graduated. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. So second Mardiv? Second Mardiv, yep. Stone Bay. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what... I, I don't remember. I'm sure we had the conversation with them. Um, but I know at Quantico, our, I estimated our attrition rate at about 67 to 70%. So for seven to go and seven to graduate is yeah. magnanimous. So yeah, well, awesome. I mean, every one of the guys that went, we were all in the platoon from March, April of 93. And then October 94 is when we all went. So we had a lot of, you know, a lot of training and pre-deployment workup. And then the snipers working with us. So literally we got back, found out we were going, immediately started making uh, ghillie suits to go to, to go to school. Okay. Yeah. All right. So eight weeks later, you graduate that. Yep. Go back to your, go back to three, six. Uh, I was still in three six. Uh, we immediately actually went on block leave because we were going to uh, Gitmo the following month for the uh, migrant uh, when they were all escaping from Cuba and they were all getting caught on the boats. And then we had to process them and all that. It was uh, they were being sent to Panama and Gitmo, and so we we did that for a few months, almost three months. Goodness. Yeah, you, you yeah. must have been the right spot at the oh, right time. Oh, yeah. We, we really were. We just kept getting deployed, and, and you're like, oh, man. I mean, pick somebody else to do it, man. At that time, <laughs> you know, everybody, you always hear, oh, America's battalion is, you know, this battalion. And you're like, we're the ones doing all the deploying right now. What are you talking about? Exactly. You're doing all the heavy lifting. Yep. All right. So you come back from that. Now, how long were you at three six before you? I did my full my first four years were three six, so I okay. left January ninety seven, so a few months shy of four four years there. Now, did you reenlist to go somewhere, or did you? Yeah, I just... reenlisted in October. Uh, being a, a October person, I could reenlist right away in October, and I went to Marine Corps Security Force Battalion up in Norfolk at the time. Okay. Uh, Fast company. And unfortunately, at the time, uh, Sergeant um, Carr, who wound up becoming Gunner Carr, Mike Carr, he came to my platoon. He came to 36 uh, at the time of the Scout Sniper Platoon. We ch actually changed from state to Scout Sniper Platoon shortly after I got to the fleet. And um, he was coming from Fast Company. He's like, hey, dude. He goes, do you have orders to Fast? I go, no, just battalion. They told me they would. Tell me where I'm going from there. But I'm told I'm going to get like a, a you know, escape job because all the deployments, they want to give me a, a break. He's like, don't go to Fast Company. And he's like, he had just come from 2nd Platoon Fast Company. Uh, and this is when it was only one Fast Company at the time. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I check in. 
So our major is uh, forward deployed, uh, visiting some of the other uh, companies or platoons overseas. And the S1 staff sergeant's like, hey, he's like, he's like you're just going to hang out down here until he returns a phone call or he gets back and picks where you're going. I'm like, all right, cool, you know. So sat there and, you know, just walking around battalion area, walking around the parade deck there, or the parade lawn, that is. And I walk in from lunch one day and phone rings, Staff Sergeant picks it up. He's like, yes, Sergeant Major. And he's talking. All of a sudden he goes, hey, he goes, I got that, that sergeant, or uh, sorry, that corporal uh, from the fleet. He goes, he's still sitting here waiting to determine where he's going. And he's like, okay, got it. And he hangs up. He's like, hey, you're going to Fast Company. I'm like, no. <laughs> so he gets on the phone. He calls Fast Company up. He goes, hey, you guys got a, a corporal to come pick up. And uh, so duty vehicle comes out, picks me up, takes me to uh, Camp Elmore. And I check in. Company first arm's like, he's like, hey, your platoon's actually in Scotland right now uh, doing training with the, uh, the Brits. And I'm like, well, crap. They put me in a room. And I went there. I, I wasn't there a week. It was like maybe like four days. And the platoon gets back. And um, I walk out of the room as they were actually, the buses were pulling up. And when I walk out the room, I hear somebody go, you know, what the F is that dude doing in my room? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, boy. I said, okay, now I know who one of my roommates is. Right. And uh, so this guy comes up and he starts talking. And he's like, oh. And then he realizes I'm a corporal. And he's like, oh. So... It's funny because the homegrown corporals did not get the uh, the similar respect as fleet guys did when they came to Fast Company mm. after doing a, a tour in the fleet first. So they were like, oh, crap, this is an actual corporal, you know, like a corporal <laughs> from the fleet. And um, so they start talking to me and, you know, of course, they find out I'm a sniper and all that. So now I'm, I'm cool with them and um, uh, do my time there. But I, I actually I love loved fast company but i actually went to the platoon that sergeant Carr came from so me and him just did a swap he went to three six scout sniper platoon i went to his platoon in second uh platoon fast company which i was just the coolest thing ever where you swap with the person that you which actually is know yeah unusual too oh uh, yeah yeah probably very rare that it happens yeah very rare because when I went up to the sniper school, um, there was a guy, Sergeant Driscoll, who let, we called him Fast Eddie, Eddie Driscoll. He went from there to 2nd Recon Battalion. I'm like, so we kind of, I don't know if he went, I don't remember if he went, I don't think he went to the same platoon I was at. Mm -hmm. But he still went to the unit I left and I went to where yep. he was, which is a still very odd situation. Yep. Now, what was he warning you about, did he say? Oh, um, so a new company commander came in, and a company commander in FAST was a major. And he's like, oh, man, this guy's he's, he's terrible. You know, he, he's, like, taking all the equipment away. He's like, he literally took the cans off of MP5s and had them cut. And he's like, you guys are not special, you know, this and that. So he's one of those guys, you're nothing. You're just, you know, some guys that are doing a job right now. And I guess... I guess people's heads were getting big because they had suppressed weapons and all that, mm. which I've never understood. He, he go, a company commander has a, a destroys military equipment, which makes no sense to me. But yeah, he, he said the guy was not a very pleasant guy. And then when I met him, I definitely agreed he was not a pleasant guy, and he was not a fan of snipers either. So that didn't help me any <laughs> during my time there. But um, I got. I got to the platoon, and my platoon sergeant, he kind of ripped me a new one when I first got there because he knew I didn't – he knew I actually didn't want to be there because I was – you know, I'm like, Gunny, I, I was told I was here to come do some skate job because of all my deployment. And he sat me down, you know, kind of took a giant dump on me, and he goes, well, you're here now, he goes, and I expect you to do the job. I love that guy. To this day, we're still talking to each other and, and texting and, you know, occasionally visiting over the years. So it worked out. I actually totally enjoyed my time in Fast Company. So he, so he did the the crap on you, but then positive. Oh, and then he brought me so, up. Then he built me up. Yep. yep. Yeah. He was, okay. He's probably the greatest platoon star I had in the Corps. Oh, cool. Well, that's awesome. Yep. 
so it worked out in the end. <laughs> yep. it, deployments and working out in the end seems to be your mantra here for yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the Marine Corps. That's awesome. Now, uh, I'm going to save that question for later. So, what point? So, obviously, how much time did you spend there before you moved on? I was there. I got there January '97, and I checked out. June 2000, but I actually had some broken time in there because after I did a RFDF in Hawaii, um, company called said, "Hey, we need a, a sergeant to go be a general's driver," mm. and the sergeant had to have two years left on station in Norfolk. And I, in my platoon, I was the only sergeant that met that requirement because uh, I had picked up sergeant in April of that year, and. So I'm like, Gunny, you know, we're on a mission right now. You know, how am I going to be a general driver? He's like, he's called me Slick. He's like, Slick, don't worry about it. He goes, by the time we get back from this appointment, he will already have selected his driver. He goes, and they'll pick a Motor T guy. Don't worry about it. I'm like, all right, cool. We got back Thanksgiving Day. So we land at Norfolk uh, Air Station, get busted to the barracks. First sergeant comes out. He's like, all right, everybody. He goes, you're on the 96. He goes, except for you, Sergeant Alisay, you got an interview tomorrow with Marfor Lance, Sergeant Major. And I'm like, oh, my uh, God, are you freaking kidding me right now? I walk in, Sergeant Major, you know, next day, Sergeant Major's like, well, you're the last person we've been waiting to interview. And I'm like, Sergeant Major, I'm, I'm an infantry guy. He goes, I know. I go, this is like a Motor T job. He goes, no, anybody can be a general's driver. And I'm like, oh, crap. He was like, Tiny guy, and he used to whistle all the time. Sits me down, and he's talking to me. He goes, well, he goes, if we need you or you get selected, you're coming in next week. I'm like, Sergeant Major, I'm already approved for leave. He's like, well, we'll see about that. And I'm like, oh, great. So interview's done. You know, I go back to the barracks. Next morning, duty hut's like, hey, you got a phone call. And I'm like, oh, crap. I go down there. Sergeant Alisson, Sergeant Major Carver. He goes, you've been selected to be the Lieutenant General Pace's driver. I'm like, oh, my God. He goes, so, (laughs) you know, go on your 96, and he goes, check in next week. i wow. So I check in, and once again, even though I did not want that job, Lieutenant General Pace and his uh, aide-de-camp and the uh, listed aide, some of the greatest Marines I've ever worked with, and I truly enjoyed my 13 months there. So... This and is ridiculous. Fast company. Yep. This is worse than but, one of those rom-coms. How does this work out? <laughs> I don't know. Well, the next one didn't work out like I wanted it to when I went back to Fast Company. So the agreement was you do a successful tour here as general driver. He goes, and you uh, have duty choice. Preference. Okay. Duty preference choice. Yep. Cool. Uh, I'm like, all right, cool. I can deal with that, you know? So at the time I had just got, uh, I was dating my wife at the time or my future wife and the general, every time I took him somewhere, he's like, you didn't get married on me, did you? And I'm like, no. And I I always thought it was funny. Well, come to find out every guy that had a job before me was a married guy and they always wind up getting fired or whatever because spousal issues and stuff like that. So he wanted to make Mm. sure I stayed single or, or not married. And, and then come to find out later, he loved snipers. He actually was the um, uh, commander out at 8th and I when they did the um, parade for Carlos Hathcock. Oh, okay. So that he loved snipers, which is what tipped me over the edge to be selected. And being the fast uh, company, I was actually actually getting ready to go to CQB school when we got back from uh, block leave uh, was what I was slated for. So, And he knew that too. So he's like, nope, this is the guy I want. And I'm like, uh, but... It all worked out. And then so CQB drive, you know, I'll go drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, there you go. Come on. And you know, uh he uh so I you know, my year's up. And I'm like, Sergeant Major, my year's up. You know, why am I still here? Why do I not have orders yet? And he's like, Ah, oh, he goes, Sergeant Alice, I close the door. And I'm like, Oh no. And I sit down <laughs> and this guy, you know, chesty poor, you know, friggin' done recruiting, done DI, did it all. And he's like, I tell one lie in the Marine Corps, and I get called on it. And I'm like, oh, crap. He's like, me and the general were sitting and talking about you. He goes, 
we think it would definitely help your career if you went back to Fast Company and did a deployment, uh, did a uh, FDP, a uh, fast deployment program. Um, he goes, there's ones coming up to Bahrain. So I'm like, oh, great. Now I got to go to Bahrain. So I go to Fast Company. I go to see my old platoon, or not my platoon sergeant, but a, a sergeant from my platoon. And he is fuming. I'm like, what's going on? He did the RFDF with me. He did the uh, embassy bombings. You know, he, he did um, another uh, RFDF up to um, Maine. He was wore out. He's done. He's like, God, they're making me go to Bahrain now. And I'm like, well, damn, the general wants me to go to Bahrain. He goes, let's go talk to First Sergeant and see if we can swap. So we go down to First Sergeant. And he's like, you know, hey, I'm Sergeant LSA. I'm coming back from um, being the general driver. And I want to volunteer to go to Bahrain. He's like, wait, you're in fast? I go, well, technically I'm TAD to uh, Marfa Lant, but I am in fast. And he goes, and you want to go to Bahrain? Sergeant Simpson, you don't want to go to Bahrain. No. He's like, all right, you're going to Bahrain. You're not going to Bahrain. So <laughs> I check in and immediately we deploy uh, like a month later to Bahrain. Okay. Now, so this would be late 90s. This was, yep, 99. All right. So for a little historical um, information for everybody listening... So when Clinton came in, when he was voted in as president, the deployment time skyrocketed because as most Democratic presidents do, they draw down the military. So as I was telling Ben earlier with um, Sergeant Eddie Driscoll, when he went to second recon and I went up to the schoolhouse, we ended up talking to him later. He came back like a year or two later. And we were chatting and come to find out he was deploying 10 months out of the year. So in 94, when I decided to get out at nine and a half years, that was one of the main things that, that drove me to get out was my now ex-wife, but wife at the time was talking about having kids. And I'm like 10 months out of the year, my dad was a Marine and he was on the, he was the head coach of the Marine Corps rifle team. So he, he was steady at Quantico, but I never saw him because when I was out of school, he was doing the majority of his work. So, Ben, I, I can only imagine that this was still one of those things that was a holdover because Clinton was still in office. So the military still hadn't been built up yet. And mm -hmm. your, your deployment ratio was still, you guys are just churning them out one after the other. Yep. So that's why that guy was, was done. I wonder, do you know, did, and I don't, I don't expect you to know the answer, but I wonder if that guy ended up getting out because of that. Um, no, he stuck around for a little bit because he, he actually had army time too. He did his first four work okay. in the army as an artilleryman. Then he came to the Marine Corps. Um, he is now a, he's a cop or a sheriff's deputy down in Florida somewhere. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're I, still all in contact, yeah. Okay. Interesting. You left there in June of 2000. So how did, well, how did your deployment to Bahrain go? Bahrain deployment was great. It's also where I hurt my back early in the deployment. Yeah, maybe like halfway into the deployment, I, I hurt my back really, really bad, which up until a couple years ago was really affecting the quality of life, uh, my quality of life, but um, some physical therapy, a uh, bunch of work, has me back where my back does not kill me like it used to. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I had a buddy yeah. who broke his back in the Marines doing um, uh, urban warfare, fell through the roof of a house and uh, yeah. broke his back. So I get it. Ugh. Now, yeah. So I take it then in, in June of 2000, you went back to the fleet. I went to 1-8. Checked in 1-8 July 15th. Um, okay. Walk in, check, you know, in alphas, check in. It was Friday, and they're like, hey, they're like, the tally's off. Just come back Monday morning in camis. I'm like, all right, cool. Go home. Come back July 15th, camis, early morning. Two guys coming out the door in PT gear. No idea who they are, so I'm like, you know, good morning, gentlemen. And I immediately get locked up, start getting chewed out, up, oh boy. down, left, right, you name it. And 
the one guy's pointing at the other guy. He's like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, no, I don't know who you are. I mean, no, I just got here. I'm checking in. He's like, that's the battalion commander right there. And I'm the battalion sergeant major. So that was my introduction to 1-8. And it didn't get much better after they came back from PT and actually allowed me to check in. And I got chewed out some more. And so I had already lined up that I was going to the sniper platoon uh, with the platoon sergeant at the time. And I can't remember who it is now, but we had actually talked. And when I go to see the sergeant major, he's like, all right, he's going through my SRB. He's like, all right. He goes, you're going to Charlie Company. And I'm like, yeah, Charlie Company. I'm like, that's a line company. Sergeant major, I'm a sniper. And he looks at me. He goes, I don't remember goddamn asking you. Uh, like a movie. I need, I need sergeants <laughs> in Charlie Company. He goes, you're going to Charlie Company. And so, yeah, that was a bitter pill to swallow. Went straight to the line company because I'd never done any line company time up to that point. Right. Freaking loved it. <laughs> uh, totally okay. enjoyed it. Yep. Awesome. Loved it. Uh, did uh, two deployments with um, Charlie 1-8. I was a platoon or squad leader for my first deployment uh in second platoon uh we got back from that med that was a libo cruise we did nothing on that med besides training and libo ports uh got back immediately became the platoon sergeant because my platoon sergeant uh, was checking out and i was a sergeant platoon sergeant and then shortly after september 11 or right before september 11 i found out that i got selected for staff sergeant september 11 happened i got promoted october 1st um, so now, you know, officially I'm the platoon sergeant right? and I did another, I did the OIF one deployment, um, as a platoon sergeant with Charlie second platoon, or actually we changed me to first platoon at that point. Eh, I could be wrong. Either way, I was second. Then I went to first or first went back to second. Um, but then on the way back, the, the battalion commander caught me in the uh, hangar bay. He's like, Hey, he goes. The snipers told me you took good care of them, uh, you know, during, you know, OIF-1. I'm like, I'm, I'm a sniper, sir. I said, I know what it was like. I was never, ever getting taken care of. They forget to extract me, uh, you know, forget to uh, uh-huh. leave, leave the supplies that we needed. You name it, we always got screwed. So I definitely went out of my way to help these guys. And he's like, well, I want you to take over the platoon. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm going on recruiting duty when we get back from this. You know, I'd already been selected. I'm going. He's like, well, see what you can do from your end. And if you need help from my end, you let me know. And I'm like, it ain't going to. Nobody gets out of recruiting duty, you know. No. If you're fit, you're going on recruiting duty. And I get out there and I I send a message up to the monitor. Hey, the battalion commander wants me to take over the sniper platoon. Uh, So I want to volunteer for another deployment with 1-8. And his response was, Oh, not a problem, War Dog. He goes, you go up there, you get a chest full of medals. I'm like, ah, too late. I already got those, but okay. <laughs> he goes, yeah, we'll get, we'll get you next year. And I'm like, all right, cool. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm.